think we're about, I think, last I checked, we are 62 days away from Christmas. I know, everybody's like, oh man, uh, I think all the kids are like, yes, I can't wait! And all parents are like, oh yeah, I forgot, <laughs> right? Like, we're 60 some odd days away from Christmas, um, next week's Halloween, yeah? And, we, and then a month later, it's Thanksgiving, and a month after that, we're at Christmas. We're not far away from all. It is the, we're on the precipice of holiday season right now. What that means is, is that if you have not already gotten your list together, kiddos, that means it's time to start working on that, right? What is it that you want from Christmas? Like when it's time to go take pictures with Santa Claus, you need to make sure that whenever it's time and you go sit in his lap and he says, ho, 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 right? What, what is it that you want for Christmas, little boy, little girl? You are ready to go. My nephew, 11 years old, had, was talking to my sister this week and told my sister what he wants for Christmas. And he said he wants a pair of Air Force Ones. Um, so if you don't know what that is, uh, think Michael Jordan, 1980s, his shoe, right? Air Force Ones. He wants a gold chain because he's been watching Major League Baseball playoffs. Astros, good team, make the, making the World Series. Don't, don't, we're not going to talk about the old, like, banging them trash cans. Don't care about that. Anyway, um, he's, been watching some, he's been watching baseball, so he sees his favorite players wearing a gold chain. So he wants a gold chain, and he wants a pendant with his number in diamonds. <laughs> 11 years old. <laughs> Told my sister, I said, good luck with that one. Have fun. Um, maybe some elves or something could work on that. But I know one person that's not, and that is Parent. Anyway, um, no, so it's, it's, but he's, he knows exactly what he's ready to ask for. Like he knows exactly what's coming up. He knows that he's only two months out and that he knows what he wants for Christmas. He's ready to ask Santa. As we get older, I think what happens is, is we stop paying attention so much to stuff and we start wanting other things. Like it, stop, it stops being so much about um, a pair of shoes a toy, a new gaming system, whatever it is, and it starts becoming more about, I just want all the kids home. I just want uh, the family together. I just want to enjoy these, these years that might be the last year with Papa or with Mama. I just want, I just want us to do that tradition that, like we used to, like we always have. As we get older, Christmas, the, the things we ask for start to become a little bit less tangible, a little bit less measurable, a little bit less stuff, and it starts to become the things that kind of feed the soul and become a little bit more of what we need, getting family together, those kind of things. If that's the case, I think when we would be asked, what do you want for Christmas, it might be a little bit harder to put our finger on it exactly as we get older. Not going to say a pair of shoes or a diamond encrusted number, right? But more so, it, it might just be a little bit harder to define, a little bit harder to put my finger on. I think we can take a note, though, on how to approach being asked, what do you want? That question. I think we can take a note, we can take, we can take the example of our reading today, of our gospel reading of Bartimaeus, because he is, as I've been calling him, a professional asker. He's a beggar. What, he do, what does he do for a living? He begs. He asks. 
This is how he gets his, this is how he gets his livelihood. It's that he begs. He asks. And he knows how to ask, and he knows exactly what he's asking for. But one of the things about Bartimaeus, and we're gonna, this is a key point, is that he's blind. Now we might second guess that. We might, well, we might just kind of be like, oh, that's just the thing, and Jesus is going to do the miracle, and we know the story. Thank you very much, Father. This homily was quick, good to go. See you later. You know I'm not like that. <laughs> what I want you to do, do me a favor. We'll run a little experiment with us. Everybody in church, I want you to close your eyes. I'm not going to throw anything at you, I promise. But just close your eyes. What if this was your everyday experience? Every day, all day. You've never seen your kids, you've never seen your family, you've never seen their face, you know their voice, you know their presence, but you don't know their face. You've never seen grass or the sky, you know what things smell like, but you've never seen it. Now what if from where you're sitting in church, with your eyes still closed? You may be very familiar with St. Hilary, you might just be visiting. But what if right now I asked you to go grab my phone out of the sacristy? Could you do it? And could you do it not in a clumsy way? Tripping over stuff, running into people, knowing where you're going. This was Bartimaeus' life. You can open your eyes. Bartimaeus is in an absolutely hopeless situation. He can't do anything for himself, and he has to completely rely on on the goodwill of other people. When he's begging, he's begging just so that he can live. Because he can't make his own food. He can't go find his own stuff. He has to hope that what people give him isn't garbage. Water, he has to hope that what people give him isn't, it's not gross. He's completely at the mercy of other people, of their goodwill. And yet he still knows how to ask better than anyone else in Scripture. So let's break open his example today. From the place that he is, from not a place of want, but in a place of need, so that he can survive. Let's break open his example today, and we're going to pay attention to what it is that Bartimaeus teaches us about crying out and asking God for what we need, not what we want, but what we need. I think the first thing that oftentimes gets in the way of us maybe asking God for what we need is sometimes we feel like we got some distance between me and God. Like there can be this kind of, there can be this kind of image that God is the old man that's up in the sky and he kind of does his thing. He does a lot of sitting on a throne 
and there's like sun and clouds and stuff around him and little angels that look like, you know, babies that are playing harps and that's the kind of music they listen to apparently in heaven, but that's all he does. He just sits up there and he stays distant and he's away and he's just watching from a far ways away. While down here in the world, it's not so nice. It's not so easy. I think a lot of times there can be a sense of like, I'm distant from God, I'm far from God. God is other, he's out there, and I'm down here. What does Bartimaeus teach us? Now, this, just bear with me for a couple of seconds, because the names that are used, the titles that are used back and forth between Bartimaeus and Jesus, they really mean something. Bartimaeus, the name Bartimaeus, and when you hear B-A-R, bar, at the beginning of a name, it, in Hebrew it means son of. So when you hear Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, that's actually a translation, right? So Bartimaeus is the son of a man named Timaeus. Well, Timaeus is a Greek name. Now, we might not understand, we might not recognize what that means 2,000 years ago today in Raceland, Louisiana, but I'm going to break it open for you. Timaeus being a Greek name means that Bartimaeus was a Greek. Bartimaeus was not a Jew. Bartimaeus had no business talking to Jesus because in that time, the Greeks and the Jews were separate. It was the Jews and the Gentiles. They might, they might see each other on the street, but for the most part, they didn't mix. They, didn't do it. they, they, were, they were meant to be separated and isolated and away from one another. So Bartimaeus, everything in his world, everything in his cultural context, everything that his society is telling him is that I am supposed to be separated from Jesus, the Messiah, the one who is to come. But it doesn't stop him from crying out anyway. It doesn't stop Bartimaeus because when he senses that Jesus is coming, when he hears the crowd coming, when he probably hears Jesus' name shared somewhere, he can't help it. He knows he needs something. He believes that Jesus is the Messiah, even though he's a Jewish Messiah and I'm a Gentile. He believes that Jesus can do something for him. So he cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That language, Son of David, Bar David, if you will, That's a title for the coming of the Messiah that is used in the Old Testament, in the scriptures of the day. So Bartimaeus is making an act of faith as a Gentile, reaching out to a Jew and saying, you can do something for me, Jesus. I need you, son of David, have mercy on me. Even though everything is supposed to be keeping them separate. We have a ton of different things in our world right now that seem to be pulling at us to try and keep us separate from God. That image of God sitting on a throne up in heaven and just watching from afar is a lie. And the world wants to make sure that there's as much noise as possible. The enemy, the devil, wants to make sure there's as much noise as possible that we keep thinking that God is sitting on a throne separate from our life right now today. And it's a lie. If God's up there, 
He's busy sitting. Why would I cry out to him? This is the first thing I think we can learn from Bartimaeus, is that no matter what the perceived distance is, no matter what the obstacles are that are between me and Jesus or me and God, that we're still called to cry out and recognize him. Son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, the second thing, and a really important thing, is that oftentimes we don't even know what to ask for. Like if we think of Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus is sitting out as a professional asker, right? He has a professional beggar. He's sitting out, he's waiting for food, for water, just like the basics of life. He's waiting for shelter, he's waiting for clothing. He's just waiting for the basics of life, that's all he wants when he's out begging. But whenever Jesus hears him and calls him forward and he comes face to face, face to face with Jesus Christ and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He knows exactly what he wants. He can name it very, very quickly and very, very deep. It's not that he needs food. It's not that he needs water. It's not that he needs a gold-encrusted diamond pendant with his number. No, he, needs, he knows what he needs, and it's something deeper. It's the place where he's most weak, where he's most vulnerable, where he's most hurt, where he's not enough. Lord, I want to see. That's all I want. I just want to see. He needs these other things, yes. But he's in touch with the deepest desire of his heart in the place that he's most weak. And he says, Lord, I want to see. Right now, every one of us needs something. Every single one of us in this church today, when we walked in, needs something. We, we need an adjuster to show up this week, right? We need a roof. We need to make sure that, that, the, that we just hope it doesn't rain again this week because it's just going to ruin that wall a little bit more. I need sheetrock to be put back in my kitchen. I need a truck to not pull down the, the Wi-Fi, the, the, the internet line on the pole again for the 14th time this week. That happened earlier. Sorry. Mm. Speak a little bit too much from my own heart in this one. <laughs> but Lord, I need all these things. But if Jesus looks at us today, it's, it, we, we don't say, I need Wi-Fi. Jesus is looking at us the same way he looks at Bartimaeus on a daily basis. Right now, he's looking at us and he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? Do we know what we want to ask for? Do we know the places that we're most vulnerable? Lord, I, I just want to know I'm not alone and all the stuff that's going on. Lord, I, I want to know that the world is not going to burn in the next 10 years. And that my kids actually are going to be okay when they're growing up. 
Lord, I, I want to know that I'm going to have a place to live so I can stop living with my sister, my brother, my mom, my dad, my, my, my grandma, whoever. Lord, I want to know that I can be safe and secure. Are we in touch with those deepest places in our own heart that we, know, that we need God? Because God could give, yeah, he could give water and he can give food and all those kind of things. And there have been miracles that have happened in the last six weeks and six, 12, six eight weeks in our area about feeding people and giving away. And it's, it's been amazing to see the, the generosity that's poured out and God's hand has been directing all of it. But now I think it's a time for us to ask, where is it that God, what, what is it that we really want God to do for us? That means we have to be in touch with the places that were weakest in our life. And the final thing that we can learn from Bartimaeus is to not limit what God can do. It would have been really easy for Bartimaeus as he's sitting there hungry and destitute and alone and quiet. And like, it would have been really easy for him to just kind of sit there and keep saying spare change or can you help me out or can you give me some food, those kind of things. But when Jesus asks, he doesn't just ask for food. He doesn't just ask for the basic needs, that, the basic kind of surface level needs. But when, he asks, when Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus has faith that God can answer with a miracle for him. That there's no limit to what Jesus would do for him. Making the blind see. Opening his eyes for the first time in his life. There was no limit to what could happen. I think sometimes when we come, to, when we come before our God and we're going to finally ask, get the courage up to, to ask for help, it's, Lord, like, I, look, I know I, don't have, I, I know I don't have something, but there's so many people that are worse off. I lost some shingles. People lost their whole house. I lost, I, my, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit sick, but look at so many people that are really sick. And I, I, have, I, I have this, but look at others. But when it comes to God, we can be greedy for a moment. We can ask God for everything. Because if we think there's a limit to how much God loves and how much God is willing to do for us, all we have to do to fix that real quick is to glance at a crucifix. Because if God is willing to give His only Son, His flesh and blood, if God is willing to allow His Son to die for our sake, for your sake, there's no limit to what He's willing to do in our life. There's no limit to how much he's willing to help us, for the amount of grace that he's willing to pour into our life. And today when we come to Mass, we come to taste of that grace again. Because the same God that's willing to love us with reckless abandon, to give us everything that we need, is the same God that feeds us today in the Eucharist. Feeds us today as we come to Mass. We don't have to put a limit on what we're willing to ask for. 
Instead, we just have to be willing and ready to receive the grace that God is already pouring forth. When we come to Mass, whether you know, I don't know if you know this, um, but when we come to Mass, we're all called every person in the church, like we as priests, we have our list of intentions that we're offering the mass for that are listed in the bulletin and everybody sees and make sure mama's name is there and sister's name is there and everybody's there, right? Like we, we have that, we have those intentions that mass is offered for every week. But when we come to mass, we're also called to bring our own intentions to God, to ask God. So today, as we come to Mass, as we, as we get into the moment of before we get into the creed today, what I'm going to invite everybody to do, we're going to take about 30 seconds of quiet. And deep down in your heart, where is it that you feel most vulnerable, most weak, most in need of God's grace? And simply in your heart, in a quiet prayer, yourself just between you and God ask for him to give you the grace you need not for somebody else but for you as we come to mass we come just like the beggar Bartimaeus let us be in touch with our weakness and ask God for his grace.